everyone. Hello. And welcome to episode number 13 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. And Dan, what are we going to be breaking down today? So this week we are counting down the 10 best songs for their lyrics. Our 10 favorite lyrical songs that exist. So these are the songs that they connect with you. They inspire you. They move you. It... it <laughs> It was a move. <laughs> Maybe it was just a Twitch, Dave. It was a move. <laughs> yeah, so um, I for sure can tell you that there's stuff that we missed. Um, this is one that we probably should spend like a year preparing for because yeah, there's, there's, so, there's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. And I feel like there's so much, at least for me, like there's so much more recency bias where there's ones that I probably have heard more recently that are, are stuck with me more, even though... My list probably doesn't reflect that's that's still, but it, as you're going through this one, it's it's tougher because, um, yeah, like I just like I said, just it just feels like it's it's kind of like a the newer things are always more fresh in your mind. So this was a hard one to sift through, and I know for sure there is a there's got to be plenty that we missed. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely a ton that uh, didn't make the cut this week. So for me, oh yeah, your B sides. What, what what are some of the ones that you have for us? So some of my B sides are uh, blacklisted stations uh, off of Heavier Than Heaven, Lonelier Than God. I mean, it just has this great refrain at the end of it that just, uh, I feel hopeless and times I wish I could feel a little less. That's like, oh man, it's so heavy and so perfect. Uh, also, uh, A Wound and a Scar by Defeater is a song. Uh, they That band wrote a bunch of concept records about like life during Dust Bowl era and stuff, but... Uh, that record came out, it was called uh, The Red, White, and Blues, or Lost Ground, I'm sorry, is the name of the record. It was called Lost Ground, and it had a lyric in it that was so pertinent at the time of like deep middle of the Iraq War uh, when it came out, and it just ends with this phrase of, uh, there's no hope, just caskets and folded flags. That was like, holy shit, man. Like, it was, it was really heavy when that came out. And then also uh, wanted to mention... Uh, song cigarettes and saints by the wonder years now, i didn't want to put this on this list because like i feel like we know some of the guys from the band so like we don't want to play like inside baseball too much when breaking down the lyrics but that song really really hit me when i first heard it uh it's got really insane lyrics at the end of it uh all throughout the band's been really great with their lyrics but yeah that like that song fucked me up man word um so i'm gonna say um Instead of maybe songs, just like people who write really great lyrics that didn't make the cut because they have so many songs. Um, I mean, um, Phoebe Bridgers had a song that just missed the cut for me. I think she's one of the better, you know, in the last couple years, uh, lyricists. Um, uh, Kendrick Lamar has a, a, a ton of great ones. Uh, the 1975, I think, are, are, are talented. Childish Gambino, um, Me Without You. Um, Earl Sweatshirt, Bright Eyes. I can't believe there wasn't a Bright Eyes song that made it here, but none of them, none of them beat out any of the songs that I um, that I chose. Um, Immortal Technique. If you're interested in some very like long form rap lyrics, and Tupac obviously is one of the greatest ever, and and somehow none of those songs made it on here either. But and then also we didn't pick any Bob Dylan. So. Right. Yeah. You know what though? I feel like. <laughs> Both of us, like you know, we, we've 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 given Bob his his time to shine. Yeah, like I'm you know? not. I didn't pick any Beatles songs. I didn't pick any right, Bob same. songs. I didn't yeah. like so. Like I'm not going for the. You know, I don't want the. You know, the big orange over the plate. Like I don't want to swing at those grapefruits. Like right, and also like if we just talked about the same artist every week, you guys would get sick of us. So yeah, yeah. All right, I would get sick of us. Yeah. <laughs> all right so um with all of that um out of the way uh dan why don't you kick us off with your uh first pick here so my first pick is by a band called radiator hospital who is from philadelphia um, the album's called something wild it came out in 2013 and the name of the song is called our song um it's this like super poppy up-tempo song really like fast like uh capoed chords uh, really kind of almost like a higher register of vocal, almost a little throaty, but like really, really high. Um, and it's a song about the end of a relationship and what comes with that and the sort of dissolving as it happens, like not just the final end, but 
those moments where like you know things are over and like little hints that happen along the way. And I think it's just the lyrics like juxtaposed with how happy the song sounds. I feel like it really it really struck a chord with me when I first heard it. Uh, that I really loved this band on first listen, but then I saw like an unplugged version of it, of him playing the song where you really got the lyrics a lot cleaner in it without all the drums and other guitars and bass. And it really struck in how sad these lyrics are, but at the same time still loving. So it was really like a, um, a really cool vibe that that kind of gave off. And uh, I think the standout lyric on this album or on this song is uh so when you call your mom back tell her that i'm the one leaving because she wouldn't understand and she shouldn't have to i won't hold this against you of like look this is over and we know it's over so like you know let's just call it and this is what it is uh but it's it's beautiful i love this song i wish this band got more recognition than they did uh but they were really big in the city for a while uh it was really fun to see them play live a couple times Oh, you saw them live? Uh, yes. No, really? Mm-hmm. I used to play at uh, the Golden Tea House. Interesting. I didn't even really know about them, to be honest with you. But this song was really cool. Yeah, they were, like, kicking around the same time as, like, a few of those bands, like, uh, you know, Modern Baseball and, like, Nona and... Uh, gotcha. Yeah, they were, it, was, it was really fun. And the Golden Tea House, RIP, uh, one of the best house venues that the city ever had, uh, was just an apartment in West Philadelphia that had a Golden Tea arcade game the golf game with the ball in it. Oh yeah. And like, it was great, man. They filmed like a, a Menzinger's music video there that I was at for that house show that they packed like fucking 400 people into like a basement and it didn't seem safe, but it was really fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Definitely. If you get a chance, check out this band, man. Uh, radiator hospital is awesome. And more people should listen to them. Cool. All right, Dave. Uh, so with that, what's, uh, what's your first pick? All right, so coming in at number five for me is International Players Anthem, I Choose You by UGK featuring OutKast. So this was the one, this is actually, the, I think, the first song I threw in my list just because I I fucking love the Andre 3000 verse in the song. It's just, it's, it's absolutely insane. He is, he had to be on here in some way or another, whether it was OutKast, you know, on their own or something like this, but... Um, this song is just so fun, and I had so many other songs on here that aren't, aren't as upbeat. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure I got something in here so it wasn't a total bummer. Um, even though this one still kind of is in some ways. So this this came out on the UGK album Underground Kings in 2007. Um, and was tragically the last album that um, the band would put out because Pimp C from UGK uh, unfortunately passed away in December of 2007. And uh, this video was the last one that he ever did with them. Um, So um, they, UGK is actually much older than OutKast is uh, as a group, if if you're not familiar with them. They started in the 80s, I think, and um, had some, like, turmoil at some points. Pimpsey actually was in jail for, like, six years of their career for, like, aggravated assault charges with a gun. That that happened before this came out. Um, So this was kind of, like, their big, like, welcome back record um and unfortunately was also their their last um this one i think like it's hard um it's hard to do i could have made this all rap songs to be honest because like there's one you just get to say so much more so there's more opportunities but i'm just always been a huge rap guy and i think this is like one of the most like important rap songs at least in my lifetime like especially for like one that was kind of poppy not poppy but like you know like on MTV, like you know, a lot everyone kind of knows this song. I think at this point, so it's um, it's got a, it's got four different verses basically, no chorus. Each um, each UGK member in the middle, Andre 3000 from Outkast in the beginning, and then Big Boy at the end. Um, and like the video kind of ties into the lyrics too because it's kind of about like them, you know, the the culture of like guys being, you know treating women one way and then realizing that they want to marry women and like kind of re- you know realizing the, the contradiction that they have for like how they act towards them a lot of times and then also the you know the level of respect they have to give them so it's cool um it's it's in the video is basically like andre 3000's wedding and and like what happens and it's and it's great in the video because he, he puts on like a fucking uh, 
kilt, and they ask him why he's dressed like Rowdy Roddy Piper, which I think is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just great. Yeah, like, I think the big boy part at the end is, is definitely not, like, the best part lyrically, but if you just if you just look through the Andre 3000 part in the beginning, like, it's just... It's perfect in every way. <laughs> I know you ain't a pimp, a pimp. Remember what I taught you is one of my favorite rap lyrics of all time. Like, it's just everything that Andre does in this song is, is absolutely incredible. Yeah, just another great Andre feature. Yeah, which he's like, you know, especially now that Outkast is still putting stuff out. I mean, it's just incredible. You know, everything that he did was great. And I think, like, you could do, like... Hey ya, because that's that's one of the songs, especially now, people are kind of realizing had like much deeper and darker lyrics than they realized. But I think that um, I think that overall, I think his lyrics on this song are stronger. Nice. Yeah. Wetness all around me, true, but I'm no island. Peninsula maybe is such a great like. Just it, it, every lyric he has in here is so clever and and, and fantastic. I, I wish I wish it was longer. <laughs> I feel you. Cool. All right. Well, that's that was my pick. Um, Dan, what's up next for you? Okay. So my next song, my number four for lyrics. Um, just just a heads up. Like most of these are going to be downer tracks. Cause yeah. That's what I tend to gravitate towards, um, especially when I'm looking for like really great lyrics. Uh, so with that, this song is by the Hotel Year off of their album Home Like No Places There. In 2014, this song is called Housebroken. Uh, it is a song about trying to convince someone in an abusive relationship that they need to get out by relating them to a dog that's been beaten. Um, it really talks about how they have an abusive master and their misgivings of unconditional love for that abuser make it like impossible to convince them they need to get out and shows that... like. They really don't see what you're thing, what you're telling them, but then at the end, their kind of realization of like, this is how my life's always been. Like I've been jumping from person like this to person like this the whole time, and it's like it's it's the realization of wanting to change but not being able to. Uh, that I think is really the tragic part of this song. Uh, but some of the lyrics that are like incredible on here are like. Uh, Phrases crept up your spine, like when he said we must keep our bitches in line. Um, and on his poker night says the same of his wife. That like, you're like, fuck man, that's so, like, uh, you can like, you can picture that guy. You know what I mean? That dude that like, oh, man, man. you're like, oh, this person's the worst. Why would you treat someone like that? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and then the key lyric for the song, I think is... Uh, the the final bid and like question for this person to leave is uh so why don't you come with me we've got acres with streams we won't keep you in cages make you beg for your treats and we won't tell you to heal though you might need some time to dig up those old bones your young self left behind that's just like fuck man like it's so i don't know i i can't this band is i think probably if not the best, definitely in the top 10 current, like, lyrical bands. Like, as far as... I would agree. The singer for this band and the lyrics that he produces for their songs are, like, next level incredible, man. Uh, this whole album, Home Like No Place Is There, is just kind of a concept album of death and, oddly, like, depression and mental illness um, that's just brilliant it's so incredible um if you get a chance to listen to it i'm sure most people have at this point um i think it was pretty widely considered for the like emo revival quote unquote that happened this is often considered to be the peak album of that and uh dave i know you really like this band too and yep. especially uh their follow-up record goodness yeah because i didn't hear this one when it came out at first so i wasn't as um I don't know why. I just like didn't I didn't know who they were. And I think because like maybe I was like being like a grumpy old man. I was just like, I don't want to be a part of an emo revival. Like that's that's yeah, in the past. I was there for the first part. Yeah, of it. I'm done with that. But like this band's great. And like you said, I mean he his lyrics are 
on this. I, I love this record now. I didn't I didn't hear it when it came out. I heard what's the name of the second one? Goodness. Goodness. Yeah, goodness yep. is is amazing. They're both they're both lyrical masterpieces. I mean, he is such a clever writer. Yeah, I like Soft Animal on Goodness is some of the most clever lyrics I've heard. Maybe not as like um, powerful of a subject matter. No, and that's like, like this, but yeah, he intentionally wrote that album to be sunnier. Yeah, you know, what I mean, he was like, I wrote this record about my depression, and then I, you know, got help and dealt with it and everything. And he's like, I don't want to keep putting myself there emotionally right. just to write records. So he, I mean, with goodness, he was like, I'm kind of done writing those albums, um, which and- is probably good because as you know we'll both kind of dive into in some other songs uh some of these some of these people that write like this can get darker and darker and it you know you can kind of see uh an unfortunate story developing with with the person who's writing these so if he's if he's you know turning things not turning things around but like becoming or having a better outlook on things i think it's probably healthier for for him yeah man yeah if that makes sense i want like, everyone to stick around so right yeah. yeah yeah but yeah this this album yeah i i don't even know how, like how to put my finger on it but his lyrics are just fantastic and i i think you're right i think he's like the the one of the more, more like incredible modern lyric writers at least in the last like six seven years yeah he's yeah. he's crazy talented uh you should check out more of his stuff um this record also almost missed or just missed for me for uh, the side one track ones with the album that opens this record called an introduction to the album. That is like, it, uh, it's brilliant. The last song on here, Dendron is incredible. Uh, so yeah, don't forget, don't, don't forget. We'll be doing a last song one too. So. We will be doing a last song at some point, uh, which that will probably make the list because it's, I mean, it couldn't be more brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so with that, instead of just talking about this single song all day, uh, Dave, what is your next pick for uh, favorite song with uh, the best lyrics? All right. Uh, up at number four for me is I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. Um, ben Gibbard is another, you know, another incredible lyricist. He um, He's one of my favorites of all time. And I, I wanted to pick a song. I know this is probably a little bit chalky and obvious, but um, I think the song's fantastic, and I think his lyrics are fantastic on the song. Um, so this is definitely their most popular. I think probably now it is. It's their um, it's their highest selling single of all time. Um, so yeah, this is probably like ten to one as like how many plays this has to their next song yeah probably i i don't i know they were used in like shows like the oc and stuff like that but this this was definitely this was after that and it's 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 much higher and for good reason so this came off of their fifth album plans uh which came out in 2005 um i think this is the first one where chris wilder the guitar player didn't produce the record yep um which i talked about in the um title track album or title track podcast about transatlanticism so um this was you know this is their first like kind of more big production album and they actually made this song kind of by accident um he'd had it written but they were having like technical problems in the studio one day and he was just like well if we can't do drums and other stuff then why don't i just lay down this acoustic song i've been working on and uh this was it which is kind of crazy that it was called I don't know if it was an accident or, and you know, maybe they would have gone back and added it later, but it's still always funny to me when there's some kind of anecdote like that. So yeah, I remember uh, he did an MTV like storytellers or something like that, and he talked about how when he was writing songs for the record, he would he rented like a studio office, and he would pack his lunch every day, and he would go there and treat it like his job because his job was songwriting, and he said some days you would like crank on a song like all day and try to get it out and everything. He's like, and that day I, I went there, I sat down and I wrote the song in 10 minutes. Wow. And he's like, and so I just packed my lunch back up and I went home Amazing. because I was like, I'm not going to do anything better than this Yeah. for the rest of the day. But wow. uh, he was like talking about how he's like, sometimes you write a song and you feel like you didn't write it as much as you like channeled it. Yeah. Like you feel more like the pen than the creator. Right. I actually saw a thing with Brian Wilson explaining that too, where he um, talks about how he doesn't write stuff. He just like lets stuff come out of his chest, which is, I thought was a weird like analogy. Like he doesn't like think about it. It just, it just escapes him. Like you feel more like like, a conduit. Yeah. 
which is interesting. Um, well, yeah, so, um, like I said, I, I feel like most people have probably heard this song. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, subject matter. So he was, um, I think he was like almost 30 and realized that he like hadn't lost anybody important in his life to that point. And just started thinking about like all of his relationships and um, like what happens next. Like what happens when they die and or, or when people die. And so it was kind of like where where are your relationships at when you know you pass on and and that's what brings like the incredible lyrics of the chorus if heaven and hell decide that they're they both are satisfied and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs if there's no one beside you when your soul embarks then i'll follow you into the dark is you know the most romantic way to say like we'll be together even after fucking death so um he's like i said before he's just the most incredible lyricist in my eyes it it's hard for the reason it's not higher is because I don't know that there's one that stood out more um, over the others because I think it, the lyrics in every one of their songs is are perfect. But yeah, so um, read. I know you've probably heard the song. Read the lyrics a little bit closer. There's a lot more to to the song, and it's a lot deeper and more beautiful than you may have realized. So um, that's why I chose it. All right, Dan, what's up next for you? Okay, for my next pick, I'm going with uh, Pedro the Lion off of their record Control from 2002. The song is called Penetration. It is a extremely biting song about the harsh realities of capitalism. And I think more channeled through his experience with the music industry and with dealing with the capitalist ideals inside of this world that is supposed to be about art and supposed to be about, you know, bringing ideas to people and showing them new things but it's all run and controlled by people that are just looking to make money. So uh, there is the the key lyric here is the chorus of the song is uh, if it isn't making dollars, then it isn't making sense. And if you aren't moving units, then you're not worth the expense. And if you really want to make it, you would best remember this. If it isn't penetration, it isn't worth a kiss of just... Why would anyone be interested in you if we can't make money off of you? And it's such a like, uh, it's such like a gross like, jock bro way of like looking at how they view your art though. That I feel like is such a, and you know like you've heard people over the years talk about how like you know, the record labels are just looking to fuck people over, and that's their whole thing. So I think naming the song Penetration is. It's like, it's vulgar, but intentionally, like, it's not gratuitous. Right. You know what I mean? There's a reason for the, the vulgarity of that lyric and of that sentiment is this is what it's like. You know what I mean? This is you creating something and trying to put it out into the world and then someone else going, oh, well, you know, uh, we don't think you should be able to make a living on this. Yep. But we're going to all make tons of money off of this. I think it's actually appropriate that it's somewhat vulgar to the sense that, like, I think he wants you to understand how fucked up it is. Yeah, and how how <laughs> vulgar the situation is. And right, how, yeah. It's not, a, it's not a delicate situation, so why would you write delicate lyrics about yeah, it? Yeah, you don't want to write, like, oh, no one's nice to me. It's like, nah, dude, I'm getting fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's awful. Uh, but, yeah, this is, I mean, this is his... I think Magnum Opus, which sucks because he wrote it when he was so young. Uh, but this this record is perfect. I don't think there's a bad song on here, and I don't think that he has written a more complete album since this. Um, which is interesting too, because if you know uh, Page of the Lion at all, you know that early in his career, when this album was, he was still a pretty devout Christian man. Which some of the songs on here, short of, uh, not even sort of, do have ties to that. Like, I really love the song Rapture that's on here that sort of relates premarital sex or extramarital sex, if you will, um, to the rapture and to, like, you know, loving what's happening, but also feeling regret towards it because he knows that, like, he shouldn't be doing it. But it really. It's still they're so good, man, and his lyrics are so great. And we, uh, we, me and Dave, Dave and I, Dave who's here, uh, we went That's to me. see when he reformed Pedro the Lion, in I want to say 2017, 18 at this point, 
You'll have to tell me. Uh, I, I don't. I remember going. I couldn't tell you what year it was. Yeah, that they reformed as a three-piece, and holy fuck, was that concert incredible! And he basically just played Control and other hits. Yeah. So like he ripped through like eight songs on this album, which nobody would complain about because no. every song on this album is great. No, you kidding? It was exactly what I wanted to see. Like a couple yeah. hits from the other records, and you know, basically his biggest one. I mean, when you see an artist that's a legacy act, you know what I mean, that has a ton of material, you're like, dude, this is exactly what I want. I want your biggest album played a bunch of times. Yeah. And Yeah, I wanted options. Real I'm, bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we, when we were watching that show, we were like, holy shit, man, the lights here. Like, it was, it was almost like a, a fourth member of their band. Yeah, it was wild. Like, and the light show was so good. Very unexpected for them. I would never have guessed yeah. that they would put any thought into that. Yeah, they don't strike me as an artist that would value stage production. Yeah. Especially when, like, it was just three guys in jeans and t-shirts. Right. You know, standing, and they, oddly, standing in a line. So, like, drums to the right, bass in the middle, guitar to the left. Yeah. It's kind of weird. about that. I yeah, never really point. noticed drums are always in the back. But anyway, so Page of the Lion, everyone should check him out. Also, David uh, Bazan, I believe is how you say it. I think it's one of those widely debated names. Bazan, Bazan, yeah. Bazine. Uh, but I think it's Bazan. Uh, he also has a documentary on Amazon Prime, if you'd like to watch it, called Ooh. Strange Negotiations. That is all about his issues with leaving his faith and also how he was touring and trying to make money and how it was supporting his life, but also simultaneously destroying it. Uh, so if you get a chance, definitely watch that. It's really great. And you get to see a lot of the solo material that he released after uh, dissolving page or the lion. That is also phenomenal. The only thing I wish they could have shown more of is he did an album uh, with the passenger string quartet where he took a lot of these songs and, completely took everything away from them except his voice and a piano or maybe a guitar and added a string quartet behind him. That is like, it takes some of, some of our favorite page of the lion songs and makes them even better, even sadder and more beautiful. If you think Dude, like uh, bands with managers oh, with those strings, unbelievable. Like, like, it goes from like a seven to a 12. Yep. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, we're not talking about that song. So off on another tangent here. So Dave, <laughs> Uh, what is your next pick for uh, favorite lyrics? All right. Up next for me is Watermark by The Weaker Thans. Um, yes. Yeah, The Weaker Thans are so incredible. Um, every lyric on every one of their songs is fantastic. But this one has always stood out to me as one of the better ones. Um, for those of you who aren't super familiar with The Weaker Thans, they were actually... Um, the first time I ever saw them in something popular, their song Aside was used in Wedding Crashers during the credit scene. And I remember like standing up and cheering like, oh, fuck, they're using the weaker thans. And like <laughs> everybody in the theater being like, what's wrong with this idiot? But it was a cool moment for me. Um, so um, that's maybe a way you, you might recognize this band. Um, that song comes off of this, this album as well, Left and Leaving. Um, which is the second studio album from the band, released in the year 2000. Um, the lead singer of this was originally a member of a punk band in the 90s called Propagandi. Hell yeah. Um, who I'm sure a lot of you hopefully know. Um, I, you know, maybe this is controversial, but I, I think that we could answer better. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and... I mean, and he's a better songwriter and lyricist than he is... Bass player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... The lyrics on every song on this album, every song on every album, to be honest, are just fantastic. Um, it's tough to like, it feels like almost every song is about like him and a, a, a another person, except for maybe like uh, One Great City, which is clearly about Winnipeg and not a person. Um, but this, this song is just packed with some of the wittiest and most clever lyrics I've ever heard. Um, just saying I've got this store-bought way of saying I'm okay is just like a, I, I, blew me away the first time I heard it um, I guess it doesn't really have a chorus it just has like a chorus sound where he changes the lyrics each time um, the second one with the lyrics being but the airport's al always almost empty this time of the year so let's go play on a baggage carousel and set our watches forward like we're just arriving here from a past we left in a place we knew too well 
uh, that was that was the lyrics of his that kind of like immediately grabbed me um, and made me want to dig more into all their songs and listen to way more of their songs because this was the first album of theirs I heard because I think they all came out before I even knew who they were except for maybe the last one but um, yeah I, I just think he's a fantastic lyricist and this is my favorite uh, my favorite lyrics of, of his on, of any song no they're definitely I mean this is their this is I feel like is their best record um, I agree yeah and especially once you get later into the album too, the songs get much more like somber mm-hmm. and like really, oh man, they're yeah. It starts off very like not poppy, but it's yeah. It's w- far aside, more aside's like a pop punk tune for sure. Yeah, and this kind of is too. And they're back to back, I think, on the record. And they're like two and three, maybe. Yeah, Next two and three. Yeah. yeah, but like, oh man, it's such a great. I love both of those songs so much. Like, Same man. Like ah, uh, the way the way that I feel like he rolls into a chorus, mm-hmm. I feel like is almost unparalleled like his if you want to say pre-choruses or whatever like they're and the way his bridges will roll into the last chorus are it's so cathartic sounding Mm -hmm. that like it really feels like you're almost like falling backwards into it it's so good man yeah so i guess like i said this this song structurally is kind of different um that i guess it's like a you can call it a bridge or just an outro with with lyrics too is um Hold on to the corners of today and we'll fold it up to save until it's needed. Stand still. Let me scrub that brackish line that you got when something rose and then receded. Oh, my God. He's so fucking incredible. Yeah, man. Like, the, just such such incredible wordplay. He's a, he's a master. All right, cool. So that was my pick. Dan, what's up next for you? All right. So my next pick um, is... By another person that I feel like is appreciated, but I feel like if you're not into the genre of post-hardcore, you probably haven't listened to this band much, aside from their goofy songs that you've heard the lyrics, or not goofy songs, but songs you've heard the lyrics out of context for. Uh, This is La Dispute off of their album Wildlife in 2011, and this song is called St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church Blues. Uh, this is, I mean, this, this entire record's a fucking masterpiece. It really is like their album before this had all these like big hokey, like almost like metal Corey riffs all over the place and everything. And I loved it at the time, but it's not a sound that is aged that well. And then this record was released following that, that they recorded this with Will Yip in Conchahawken at studio four. And there's almost there's very little overdrive on most of the guitar tones. There's very it's it's almost like there's more space in them, like they're not just filled with distortion and riffs. And uh, you could really really hone in on the lyrics on this song. Um, so this song is literally like an anthropomorphization of an old abandoned church and how it like reminisces about the early days when it felt useful and loved and necessary and the song uh lyricist is jordan dreyer uh of the band and he also relates himself to that church and its feelings of realizing that he is going through the exact same things as this church um but i feel like the spoken word delivery really like focuses your attention more to what he's saying rather than him using a melody or going along with the guitar and like harmonizing. Uh, so I feel like that's probably the strength of this band is that this guy's lyrics are so otherworldly. Um, like the, the standout lyric for this is, uh, and when the nineties violent crime and un- rising unemployment rates came by that parking lot grew dim and thin of sinners and saints until the voices unceasing slowly faded to black until the weeds streamed, Stormed the concrete from unattended cracks. It had to know. Had to feel the glory never coming back. Like I could feel it when the passion left the last of what I had. It had to know like I knew. That you're like, fuck, man. Like, it's just... It's it's just insane. And then it ends with this uh, phrase of... Uh, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have them written down right here. But it talks about... Uh, just the other day I saw a man there pulling weeds out of the concrete and cleaning the place up and it made me wonder if there's anyone like that for you and me 
or anyone else who broke and lost hope. That you're like, oh man, it's so, it's just such a realization of how hard things can be and how awful things can feel. But then seeing that like one little thing can make that difference though. Like that one person is trying and that makes him feel a spark of inspiration. Um, that, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever dealt with anything like that, like a, a slowly or an apathy an apathetic idea towards everything. I mean, I'm sure, especially, um, everybody I think felt it a little bit during this quarantine where things you used to do as hobbies when you weren't at work, suddenly you find yourself, you're like, Oh, well I could just do them all the time now. And then flash forward three months and you're not doing them at all. And you're like, Oh, like it got to me where it was, you know, February or I'd say February, March, we shut down. Um, it got to by April and then to almost Christmas. I hadn't even touched a guitar Oh wow. between that, like six months. Like I hadn't, I hadn't even touched one. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, so thankfully I was able to snap myself out of that with some, some friends and some, uh, some other things, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, uh, you know, just like talking to people, getting, getting those emotions out yeah, and especially being able to get back out into the world helped immensely, uh, yeah. from just staring at the same four walls every day. Yeah. I think we all know how that felt. Maybe uh, not entirely, but you know, the yeah. being locked in, cooped oh, up the, and losing your mind. It was the fucking mind. worst, man. Yeah. Like yep. it was the worst. It was, you literally would, if you still like myself, I was still going to work. But it was like you would go to work, you would come home, you would go to sleep. Because like you couldn't go out, you couldn't do things, you couldn't... I mean, we didn't even go to work, we worked here. Yeah, if you worked if you worked from home, I imagine that would be even realer. Because you're not even leaving. You're yeah. going to, you know, the grocery store to replenish your supplies for the cold winter yep. that is your life. <laughs> um, yeah. So with that, uh, Dave, what is your next pick for favorite lyrics? All right. Up next for me is Swordsman by Jizza off of his perfect album, Liquid Swords, that came out in 1995. So this is, in my opinion, or it's one of my two favorite rap albums ever. Between this and Mad Villainy, um, I, I can kind of, depending on which one I'm looking at or thinking about at the time, I can tell you they're both my favorite. But this song is... This album is full of um, incredible lyrics, but this song in particular has always stood out to me off of this. It's also the only song on this record. It, it is his solo record. It's the second one he did. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jizza is a Wu-Tang member um, and, and produced this or made this solo record. It was produced by the RZA, um, also from the Wu-Tang, in his uh, basement studio on Staten Island. Um, and uh, like I said, or like I started saying a minute ago, this is the only uh, song on this record where he is by himself. He has a guest feature, um, I believe, on every other song except for this one. But um, this, um, like the Wu Tang, this record has a lot of uh, samples from um, martial arts movies, and uh, I think all of them, or at least most of them, come from a movie called Shogun Assassin, which I can't believe I'm saying this, but I still have never seen even though it's like the driving force behind one of my favorite rap albums of all time. Um, it's also heavily featured in the Kill Bill film. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, so this song is, um, it's basically about him like trying to tell you not, you know, to keep learning and not just take everything that you're told at face value. Um, it has some just absolutely incredible lyrics. He, um, and I think most of the Wu-Tang guys, have uh, they're part of this religious group I think called the Five Percenters, which is kind of uses numbers um, to determine uh, different things happening in the universe. So like uh, the month number and the day number symbolize two different things for them. I'm I'm not an expert on it, but that's kind of what I've gotten from the very brief um, research I've done into it. But he talks about that quite a bit in this song, um, and I will. Um, give you some of some of my favorites um so in the first verse he says i come through with the woo and drop math math being like his religious kind of thoughts on this 
and versa versatile freestyle bombs and phonographs and deliver all things in number number and weight search to death on how living things relate the the the, the cleverness of his like religious stuff the scientific stuff and him telling a story at the same time is absolutely insane in this song like he is clearly a very intelligent person um with the way that he's able to kind of turn some of these scientific thoughts and and theories into lyrics it's it's absolutely fantastic um another one from let's see the uh the second verse where he says because my power is refined through the truth with which manifests through eternal minds purified gases and masses the same elements that help spark civilization classes that's fucking brilliant like i, I don't know what else to say like he he he's it's some of the smartest rap lyrics I've ever heard. It's always stood out to me. Read all the lyrics on the song because there's some words I'm not going to say out loud. Um, he is f a, f an absolutely fantastic, brilliant lyric writer. And this song is the perfect example of of kind of all of his talent coming together perfectly for one song, I would say. Um, yeah, so that was my pick for number two. Dan, what do you have up next for us? Uh, my favorite pick is by the Mountain Goats off of their 2005 epic Sunset Tree. Uh, the song is called Dance Music. Um, it is a little like three minute ditty or under three minutes. It's a minute 40. Um, so an under two minute ditty about uh, dance music being a comfort in his life during very traumatic events and the lyricist and writer for the mountain goats is named john darnielle who is goddamn he's probably one of the most brilliant writers i've heard since you know it, it's like him bernie Taupin, who wrote lyrics for elton john if you don't know um probably john lennon i i i really would put him on that level with how good this man is writing at literary songs. Um, it's absolutely insane. Um, the key lyric uh, for this record, or for this song, I think is the lyrics that open the song are, I'm in the living room watching the Watergate hearings while my stepfather yells at my mother. He launches a glass across the room straight at her head and I dash upstairs to take cover. I lean in close to my little record player on the floor. So this is what the volume knobs for. I listen to dance music. That's just like, like what, a, like you, you feel like you're there. You feel like you're in that person's house. You're in, like it sucks. You're, you're in a seventies home in Southern California or Northern California. I'm not sure exactly where he's from. He might be from Texas. Cause that's where he always writes about. So <laughs> you're in a home in Texas watching an abusive relationship in the seventies home. And it's, it's so, it's just so like literal and like, there's no frills to it. There's not a lot of like emotion put towards it. So it just seems so cold and matter of fact, but mixed with kind of this like bouncy little piano rhythm. It really, it feels like not happy, but it doesn't feel like I, it's one of those things like someone oversharing like a detail about their life or sharing like a traumatic story from their past. And then like, but just kind of saying it like matter of fact to you, like, Oh yeah. And that was the time that my dad broke my arm and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like yeah. you can't just like nonchalantly pass a story like that off. But like, you know, to that person, it's a thing that happened to them and it's not, you know, it doesn't define their life. So they're like, ah, yeah, yeah, that happened to me. You're like, oh my god, man, that's awful. That's that's horrific. And they're like, yeah, but I got through it because I I have this. Yeah. Um. And for him, it was it was music that was his big healer. Um. He's brilliant. I think you should listen to every record the Mountain Goats ever had. This is the second of the Mountain Goats songs I've put on our podcast so far. So you should go and listen to more of them. Um. Yep. I feel like this is the week that I think the playlist will be much more important. Because while you're trying to hear the lyrics of the songs we picked, we are spinning verbal garbage over top of them. <laughs> so like, yeah, absolutely. We are butchering your opportunity to listen to the lyrics. Yeah, get so definitely be sure to follow the link in our bio this week so that you can pull the playlist up 
and we might even include a link on there uh, to some lyrics pages, but probably not because that just sounds like it'd be a nightmare to try and set up. That's a lot of links. That's a lot of links. Yeah, just just as you're following along, open up Genius, uh, Genius.com, and type the songs in, and you'll be able to see um, see all of them. They have great breakdowns. Sometimes even like uh, for the Jizza song, they actually have um, him breakdown. Um, what some of the lyrics meant when he wrote them. So that's my preferred site to read a lot of this stuff, especially because like you can get either video breakdowns or just like quotes from wherever they may have talked about the lyrics and the link directly to it on the site. So definitely follow along and read all of these lyrics closely because obviously this shit matters to us because we're pointing it out and talking about it in front of you. So. Yeah, there's, there's a reason we picked these. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Dave, with that, what is your number one pick for best lyrics? All right, so up for me at number one is Elliot Smith's King Crossing. Um, King's Crossing. Uh, another bummer, uh, another huge bummer. Um, this came off of his sixth and final album from A Basement on a Hill that was released uh, posthumously in 2004 after his, I guess we can still call it mysterious death. It's still unknown. Sure, what shit, not calling that a suicide. Yeah, it's definitely no one like, stabs himself nobody in stabs the chest himself twice. twice. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, after an audible fight was heard with his wife. Yeah, so um, unfortunately, he was stabbed twice in the chest. Um, it's still undecided. Yeah, um, unlike the Courtney Co- or Courtney Kurt Cobain thing, I think there is definitely much more. Much more fuckery with yeah. Elliot Smith's death. Especially with her that. saying that she was just, like, in the house when it happened. Yeah, like, she said she, like, locked herself in the bathroom and took a shower. Yeah. And when she came out, he was stabbed twice. Yeah. She like, said he could hear him screaming or something like that. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Either way, yeah. Some, As people usually up. scream when their wife stabs them. Yeah, exactly. Twice. <laughs> um, but um, this song is tough because he had um he had a lot of personal shit that he was dealing with he was definitely not a happy guy um he had a very notorious uh issue with heroin and um a lot of the lyrics on the song both reflect his depression his addiction and just like the shit that he was feeling at that time and knowing that these lyrics were written right before he died make them even more powerful and and tough to tough to read sometimes um but because he was so brilliant and and uh such an incredible uh, lyric writer um they've always stood out to me and, and are some of my favorites and clearly my number one so um he literally says in the song i can't prepare for death any more than i already have all you can do now is watch the shells the game looks easy that's why it sells. Frustrated fireworks inside your head are going to stand and deliver talk instead. Frustrated fireworks inside your head is a very clever way to just talk about how, like, everything that you can be thinking is just kind of bouncing around and causing you so much confusion and, and all the di- different things you're thinking and struggling with. Um, the next line, the method acting that pays my bills keeps the fat man feeding in Beverly Hills. I've always considered myself, and we talked about it in a previous episode about uh, the Thursday song about how people going to work can kind of feel like they're drowning. And that lyric has always kind of stuck with me, and, and I've always felt like when I do go to an office that I am just the the actor that's playing Dave, that's there to just work, and that that's not that's not who I am. That's just like a person that goes to work because he has to. You yeah, know what I mean, like. Yeah, you got to put your, uh, your your customer service voice. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Your... Um, so, yeah, like like we're, we said before, every, go, definitely read these lyrics. I mean, when he talks about the drug addiction stuff in the next verse, uh, it's Christmas time and the needle's on the tree. A skinny Santa is bringing something to me. His voice is overwhelming and his speech is slurred and I only understand every other word. He's clearly, you know, clearly talking about something related to heroin there. Um, it's, it's tough because, you know, we know he died right or right after this. Um, it's clearly somebody that's looking for help and is struggling with a lot of shit. Um, a lot of drug issues. Um, so it's tough to read some of this, but it's, it's beautiful at the same time. And it's, and it's, it's always kind of shook me, um, especially knowing what happened. So one time I saw, um... I think it was the band Gatsby's American Dream, and they their keyboard player was warming up with the piano, 
part in the intro of this song, and I was literally just like, oh my god, that's the coolest fucking thing. Like, I fuck, I, I, I get nerded out by stuff stuff like that too when like a band plays like a riff or something from like another band that I love that I feel like people may not know. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, I I love Elliot Smith. I mean, yeah, I think I think most people who have listened to him do because he's brilliant. His lyrics are brilliant. He's it's just a sad, tragic figure. Um, but while he was here, he wrote us some amazing songs. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of his music, it sounds like it was recorded and plays perfectly at like three in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it sounds like really, really late to me. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, especially like everything off of like either or. Oh, yeah. That's like very much more acoustic and like laid back. That it all sounds like it was like recorded in a house at three in the morning. And that's how I prefer to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all sad. Um, so that that does make sense. It's kinda like a oh, I just woke up in the middle of the night. What do I listen to? Like, oh, well maybe that's not the smartest thing because then you may just be depressed. But yeah, it's he's he's fa- he was fantastic. He is missed. He was one of the best lyricists and one of the best songwriters. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of folk singers like him and, and Bob Dylan and other guys are, you know, clearly have to be like very clever lyricists to carry just an acoustic guitar in most cases. Like yeah, it's really, hard, it's hard to make that stuff interesting all the time. Yeah. With simple accompaniments for sure. Right. And, and he was able to do it for a very long and impressive career. So, um, like I said, another bummer, but, um, if you read the lyrics, hopefully they, resonate with you as much as they did with me and um and yeah um so yeah so that's it that's our that's our top 10 so like we said in the beginning um i know for sure we missed a ton of stuff so hit us up on social media follow the playlist so you can hear these songs without us talking over top of them so you can actually dig into the lyrics and uh let us know what what some of yours are we we this is one where we really want to know um what we missed and and um and what other people think are some some incredible lyrics because that's one of the most fun I think aspects of listening to music and looking deeper into music is picking out lyrics and and stuff that you like. So yeah, so yeah. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D and D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at at Lukewarm Steve Austin. On Instagram and Dave at at DF Hughes Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you'd like to hear this week's songs without any of our witty banter or input, uh, the weekly playlist can be heard on Spotify. Search under D&D Music Factory for playlists and you can subscribe to make sure you get notified when the list comes up each week. All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.